Hello, and welcome to another episode of What's on the Pile. I'm Nathan Besner, and joining me this week is Shane Lee. Hello. Jane Belcastro. Hi, hi. And Jenner. How y'all doing? We continue our horrific October with Slither, a splatterific love story about two men, a woman, and the hundreds of thousands of body-snatching worms along the way, followed by Velocipaster, another love story about a priest, a hooker, and the dinosaur lurking under his skin. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Slither. Uh, I believe this is another movie from, uh, well, I guess they both are, uh, from Shane's list of uh, horror films that you hadn't seen yet that you're doing for October. Um, yep, and this, this one's definitely on the list of movies I thought I would never see. Um, <laughs> because, so so I'm, I'm, I'm trypophobic, which is when you're phobic of like weird like hole patterns. And I was first triggered by that when I saw a Photoshop, it was Photoshop, of someone who supposedly went swimming in South America and came back with all these worms infesting their body within this like sort of honeycomb pattern. And as soon as I saw that this movie, you know, the poster art had like wormy things in them, I was like, never, <laughs> never going to watch this. Um, I think I might have actually watched this while drunk a long, long time ago. I, I <laughs> don't remember anything. So it was, it was pretty much new, but there were some scenes that sort of sparked a little bit of memory and recognition, but it was for all intents and purposes purposes it was it was brand new to me this time around so. and i'm gonna actually admit to that as well that uh <laughs> i went into it going i don't think i've ever seen this uh i saw nathan fillion sit up in his head when his hat came off and i was like oh yeah i've seen this <laughs> so. and i turned over and said of course you have <laughs> That's no great. i I, for my part, actually caught this in its uh, original uh, theatrical release. Uh, Gun uh, James Gunn had been a little bit on my radar uh, based on the uh, the 2004 Dawn of the Dead remake, uh, as well as some of his uh, work uh, writing for Troma uh, that he had uh, done before that. And it just looked sort of, well, it looked sort of appealingly gross, uh, and uh, it remained so through its uh, the uh, the entire view. So I'm. Uh, this is one of those movies where uh, playing spot the reference uh, is half the fun of the movie. Yeah, which you've probably got a lot more of those than any of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does. Uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll circle back to this. I, it does have very possibly the single most sophisticated uh, reference that I know of in any, well, in any horror comedy, uh, uh, like anywhere. Uh, but I'll get back to that. Okay. <laughs> This is written and directed by James Gunn, uh, features Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, and the amazing Michael Rooker. I want to talk about Michael Rooker and how <laughs> great that guy is and how he's always game for, like, anything. Especially when, when James Gunn suggests it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely part of the stable now. I never, I didn't know who he was until, you know, obviously Walking Dead, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that guy, and then... You know, when he showed up in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, I think I walked past him at a con once. That's, that's pretty much all I know about him. Okay. So. He's, he's great in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. I, I think I watched that last year as part of my October marathon. And, you know, he's great in that. But recently, he just seems to be in these, I mean, maybe just with James Gunn, he just seems to be in all these crazy roles. Like, uh, it's super, um, what was the other thing he was Well, in? of course, James Gunn directed Super as well. Right. That was the movie that he did. Um, let me see. I swear there was something before. No, I think it was uh, uh, Slither, Super, 
Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah. And I remember him from Cliffhanger in the 90s. Yeah, that was the first place that I think I actually saw him in a movie. I was aware of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, but I still have never actually seen it. I don't particularly want to. I know it's, by all accounts, a great movie. I don't particularly want to see it. Hmm. Yeah. It's a nasty but, film. Yeah. No. I mean, this is a, a nasty movie, but it's the fun kind of nasty. This is like uh, the, you know, the, the deadly spawn kind of nasty. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah because... Is, even after I got over my initial fear of it, I was going to watch it a couple of years ago, and I asked Nate about it. He's like, I asked him if it was really gross because it seemed like it would be. He's like, Oh yeah, it's super gross. <laughs> so I didn't stay. So I stayed away. And like, I, I I remember the trailer seemed to have a shot of I don't remember what her name is. The the first female that comes in contact with Michael Rooker who balloons up into that big thing, and she says like something's wrong with me. Yeah, <laughs> that shot is in the trailer, from what I remember. Uh. And, and seeing that, I was like, that looks fucking disgusting. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 tra- the trailer for this movie, if I recall correctly, definitely leaned into the gross, and, and that's neat. I actually have this on a slightly defective HD DVD slash DVD hybrid. Uh, uh, you know, that's uh, one of the strange little gems of my collection. But uh, no, the uh, Rooker, is, Rooker in, this, in this movie is having a grand old time but with no ego of his own, playing a a character with an ego so monstrous that it basically short circuits an alien invasion, <laughs> which I think is one of the more fascinating sub premises of this movie that I hadn't really fully cognated in the couple of times that I've seen this previously. Uh, you know, it's it's a guy who's so arrogant that he co-ops an alien invasion. Basically, to try to uh, uh, to try to gaslight his wife. <laughs> so, are you saying he's he, is he the unintentional hero of the story? Because without, if he hadn't done that, then they might have been fucked a lot quicker. That's that's the, the, the sort of sort of the the, the subsurface uh, premise that kind of came around to me, particularly in this viewing. It's like, now wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, this thing had a purpose that he just completely co-opted for a function that had nothing to do with conquering the world, you know, just trying to get his wife back by one means or another. I, uh... I see you, and I agree, but at the same time, we've got, uh, we've got a monster that's lonely. And I don't know, I was kept wondering, is, uh, is Rooker's grant-grant, uh, uh, <laughs> is grant-grant is um, really, is any of him still there enough or is the monster like when they made love <laughs> that morning when he came home after he'd been infected? Did that, you know, conquer the worm? <laughs> well, I think the suggestion is that they really do sort of have a symbiotic relationship, but the sort of the the, the lead aspects of the personality, at least as far as we see, are pretty resolutely Grant Grants. Um, are least. you are you sure though? Because he never repeats anything that she said to him previously, before he was infected. It's possible that the thing itself actually fell in love with her completely incidentally. That's what I thought. It's a space incel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, being in a symbiotic relationship, too, I, I would think that it, uh, it comes from both sides. Um, they, I mean, they're, they're melding their minds together into one creature. I, I, could, see it, I could see it both ways. Uh, from both arguments, and, and yeah, I, I, I like I like both interpretations. Actually, I, you know, neither occurred to me. I wasn't 
really thinking that deeply, but and I mean, it, they both make sense. And it is, of course, in the midst of this uh, that we discover the, uh, as I say, the most sophisticated reference uh, that I can think of in uh, certainly any studio horror comedy. The uh, both wh when the, the alien creature first stuck its little nubbin, you know, needle-looking thing out of that pod. I had a feeling that I knew what this was making a reference to, but when the uh, the girl who you know managed to fight off the uh, the worm that was trying to uh, to crawl down her throat and got the vision of uh, of uh, you know the creature's sort of prior history, when she describes it as having a face that looks like a needle, needle is an early '70s novel by Hal Clement that is generally acknowledged to be an unacknowledged inspiration for The Hidden. That kind of blew my mind the first time that I saw it. Uh, I mean, that's a deep cut. I mean, that's a literary science fiction reference, which is not something you get a lot from this sort of movie. And at the same time, you get visual references to, like you say, the deadly spawn. I mean, the little worm things are basically the deadly spawn without, without quite as many teeth. Uh, and if you guys have never seen the deadly spawn, that movie is even squickier than this is. Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. I think I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> like I say, yeah, think of think of the worms of this, but with a lot more teeth. Yeah. And, uh, is you that, know, yeah. uh, one thing I was thinking while uh, while watching this is I, I compared it uh, to Reanimator a lot because of the, the splatter comedy, the gross-out stuff. Um, but the difference here is I think that the horror is still effective on its own without the comedic elements. It's still scary. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. no. This is if the movie hadn't been so. This is a movie that uh, that that is funny in the way that I like horror movies to be funny, which is it's a completely nightmarish situation, but nobody's actually doing anything ridiculous. They're just responding to things with such good humor as wit and wit as they have at their disposal. That being said, the more apt comparison is probably not to Reanimator, but to From Beyond, mm. Reanimator's follow-up, which gets a definite visual reference uh, most particularly to the uh, sort of the classic box art for from from uh, from beyond in the appearance of rooker in his sort of fully monstrous you know final form his final form <laughs> his, his his big uh, brian yuzna society grade mass o stuff <laughs> society itself being one of the implicit references in here as well oh, there that is a is lot a there, weird movie there is a lot of cult horror running under the hood here, but as a narrative, it still works really well. Uh, all of the characters, hell, even the villain to some extent, are are, are pretty endearing. Uh, it, it, yeah. it, it's a good time. Uh, it, it's a lot better written than a, than, than a lot of movies uh, like this, you know, certainly had been up to that point, and I think that's just a, a further indication of Gunn's talent as a writer. Yeah, this movie made me miss Nathan Fillion. Like, has he done a whole lot since he sort of disappeared in the castle for a lot of years. Like, I know he's done some voice stuff. He had a very small role in uh, Santa Clarita Diet and then was later replaced, but I don't know what he's been up to nowadays. But well, he's Con got, Man. He's, he was in Con Man. He was in Con Man. Okay. He's, got a, he's got another primetime series on ABC called The Rookie, where he plays a cop. Yeah, that was not good. It was not so super And I terrific. love him, but I just couldn't even... I just got so bored with it. Oh, I like, remember I he's, that. He's done a lot of, like, voice stuff, a lot of video game voice stuff, too, I think. Yeah. But we just haven't seen him in this kind of genre, uh, you know, this genre material. In quite I mean, a while. If, I mean, except of course for cameos in every frickin' movie that James Gunn makes. Oh you yeah, know, yeah. You know, he, he played in... he played God in Super. 
he was what was it detachable uh, detachable limb boy or whatever the hell it was yeah. uh, from uh, from well, the recent suicide squad the detachable <laughs> kid detachable yeah, yeah. he uh god what was the name he came up with in that but uh, yeah the i believe the comic book character that he's based on is actually called arm fall off boy <laughs> the actual name of the character in, from the comics uh. but yeah he gave himself some sort of acronym or some three letter thing and then he was gone from the movie very quickly <laughs> Which, I, sorry, spoilers if you guys haven't seen it. Well, I mean, you can say the same about Rooker. Basically, it's these guys keep working for Gunn because they like working for Gunn. Um, he he seems... was in Guardians of the Galaxy, too, as an alien. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He yeah, was. He, he was the one who got, uh, who, who got uh, um, uh, Groot's uh, uh, fingers up his nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he had uh, a, uh, a still photographic cameo in, I believe, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 uh, on, on a movie poster for a Wonder Man movie. Oh, yeah, he was in there. <laughs> um, thinking about other references, uh, as you were talking about the needle reference, um, one of my favorite references in the movie was uh, the music cue when uh, when everybody's moving to action and gathering yes, the guns, yes, and it's yes. the Predator soundtrack, <laughs> yes, or at least a uh, a non uh, a non actionable riff, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that moment. Are there any other? Uh, are there any? Uh, references that any of you liked or spotted? I well, noticed I mean, I, nothing. I, I, yeah, I'm I'm not as versed in all this, but, so Same. nothing specific. I mean, yeah, I, I think I'm probably the best suited, with the possible exception yeah. of you, Nate, uh, as uh, uh, the one who is most likely to view watching this movie as having games built into it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mention the trauma? Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah no, I, I, reference I, there. Yeah. Well, there was oh. there was that one clip from the Toxic Avenger, yeah. and I still have yet to actually spot Lloyd Kaufman as the sad drunk, but apparently he's in there somewhere. Really, I've yeah. I see him yeah. every time. I feel like he just like steals the entire room. Like yeah, it was been... in, it was in the end credits, but uh, yeah, I didn't catch him. Yeah. Well, we paused it, and his name came up, and we were kind of looking to try to figure out which one he was, but we never did get it. I think he might have been in the bar scene. No, he was uh, when Nathan Fillion comes into the police station for the first time. Oh, that was it. He's mm-hmm. he's a arre- he's like being he's arrested, but he's also drunk as hell. So he's uh, like being all shaky and weird because he's Lloyd <laughs> Kaufman and he's shaky and weird. Yeah. <laughs> and he and like uh, like Nathan Fillion and Michael Rooker, he's in every freaking movie that James Gunn makes somewhere. <laughs> James Gunn is very appreciative of the people he works with and the people who gave him chances and. That sort of thing. I mean, Tromeo and Juliet was uh, that was an St- amazing film. Still, my favorite adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> no qualifiers. Full stop. It's the only one that gets it's a story about t- about stupid teenagers. <laughs> 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 well, although Terror Firmer was a lot of fun as well. Uh, but in any case, yeah, no, it's uh, no gun appreciates. Uh, uh, I, like I say, I, I noticed, and I hadn't noticed this before. The kid uh, 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 in the very relatively early uh, scene who says, you know, what's Gina? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the kid is dismissed as Zach, which I'm wondering isn't a direct res- uh, reference to Dawn of, uh, to uh, Zack Snyder, who, of course, had, ah. uh, had uh, made Gunn's script for Dawn of the Dead right before this. That's right. <laughs> it could be. That may be. There's, there's a lot of deep affection, even in the nastiest of the stuff that Gunn is doing, and I th- I think that's one of the stuff, uh, one of the things that makes uh, makes his movies uh, so agreeable, just in general. Yeah, it's a slower burn than I remember too. 
I, yeah, no, I, I, I was struck even the first time I saw it that uh, essentially, I, I, I'd say the first good half an hour, 35 minutes, are primarily focused on the character who will subsequently turn out to be the villain of the picture, uh, or at least the anti-hero, depending upon how you want to look at it, mm-hmm. uh, rather than, you know, top build, you know, Nathan Fillion. You know, top build, fresh off of Firefly and Serenity. Nathan <laughs> I mean, you could almost call this movie James Gunn's marriage story. Like, that's <laughs> kind of how it felt. I mean, even all the way through the end, like, even, in the, you know, when he's a complete monster, she's still trying. To, I mean, she's, by that time, she's trying to, I guess she's trying to use it to defeat him. But, well, uh, I, mean, well, I mean, credit where credit is due, you could call uh, uh, marriage story Noah Baumbach's Slither. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's, I, it's, one, it's one way to parse a marriage. I mean, there's a certain. Uh, there's a certain element of the brood, which of course is the mother of this uh, particular streak of, you know, aberrant uh, physiology, um, body horror. Except in this case, it's the husband who's doing all the brooding, which is creepy enough in its own right. I have a copy of that, and it's it's on our list. It's on our pile list for me. The brood, yeah, mo- most honest film about a bad divorce ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave that there. All right. You know what uh, one of my favorite moments of the entire film is, is when Michael Rooker, he, he was just about to choke uh, Elizabeth Banks and he has the long spindly arm, the, the rubber squid arm. And when he's running out of the room, you can tell Michael Rooker is shaking it and just slams it into a lamp. <laughs> and it's such a perfect moment because it, it's, it sh- it, it's almost like it gives reverence to, uh, to genre pictures of past by having it be kind of silly the way he's doing it. But at the same time, uh, they do it. They, they are fully, fully into it. They're serious. You know, the, the effects work in this is a, a wonderful mix of, you know, squicky digital and squicky practical. And there are a lot of moments where I really can't tell which one, which is one and which is the other. Uh, I mean, the practical work in this is an extraordinary feat of imagination in its own right, particularly with, you know, Blob Grant Grant uh, at, the, at the climax of the movie. Uh, I feel for all of those people who were just kind of merged into that pile of yuck, yeah, uh, in, including uh, including the great Michael Rooker. <laughs> and well, I think that was like my, you know, serious gross out moment. But I mean, it was so masterfully just done. like just writhing and squirming in latex and like being. Uh, well, no one ended up merging like naked into the final form of. Yeah, the, the that guy who was oh. merging is uh is a uh, trauma regular. Oh, that that actually makes a makes sense just for the sheer gusto with which he threw off his sport coat and threw himself into a pile of, you know, fleshy <laughs> goo. Yeah, there there's a scene where he runs down the street fully naked, streaking. Uh, in one of Troma's, I've forgotten the name of the film, but um, I remember that scene. It seared into my memory, and I I remember him doing that. <laughs> and uh so there you go. They were able able to recognize that butt crack. Eh? That's right. That's right. I know <laughs> that I, curve. I know that ass anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean like, the entire cast of this movie is absolutely game. I mean let's let's talk for a second about Greg Henry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as RJ McCready and the the one really big reference that we haven't actually observed yet, <laughs> uh, or Jack McCready, uh, but uh, absolutely named after Kurt Russell's uh, character in in the thing. 
Uh, but uh, doing, uh, he's Greg, Greg Henrying harder than uh, Greg Henry has in almost anything prior to this. Uh, he has that you know sort of niche role as the affable, smiling scumbag going all the way back to, I guess, De Palma's body double. It's, it's a particular niche, and sometimes he's not actually a bad guy. And sometimes uh, he's screaming about Mr. Pib. It's only Coke <laughs> oh, I yeah, like. That was great. <laughs> it, it's, as, as, uh, as you observed uh, last night as well, it's the details in the dialogue, like referring to Mr. Pib as the only Coke I like. <laughs> so that's a, that's a Southern thing, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. I always I, 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 I thought so. I want a Coke, well, the, the, and maybe today I'd like a Sprite Coke. <laughs> yeah, no. The, the the old joke is uh, is in the South. I forget which uh, stand-up comedian uh, said this, but it, I think it might have been Foxworthy, but I'm not sure. It's the South is the place where you can say you want a Coke, and they say, "Well, what kind do you want?" <laughs> uh, stands in for pop, soda, etc. Uh, but it, it's just the wonderfully observed little details like that in uh, in uh, the dialogue that uh, that re- really make this. More than just another 1981 drive-in, or last days of drive-in, you know, extra slash, you know, Deadly Spawn-ish extravaganza. Although, frankly, the Deadly Spawn had a ton of wacko humor built into it. Uh, It was just, you know, even squickier than this is in a lot of regards. Um, I I know a lot of films also, uh, they they take Southerners and they make fun of them. They're, They're the butt of jokes. And I don't feel like they were really making fun of Southerners in this movie. No. I feel like it was just very inclusive and understanding. Even for their, well, I was going to say, even for their moments of uh, pro- political correctness, there's a certain fundamental decency to some of it. Uh, again, one of the one of the funniest and again least politically correct exchanges uh, between that was the bit where uh, where uh, Greg Henry is asking that one deputy whether he's got a relationship uh, with the the other deputy, and says she packs a box a box lunch. No shit. <laughs> yeah. And later oh, on really? saying uh, saying I know you're a lesbo but even you don't deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what ha- what happened to her? She just got spat on, right? And then she just kind of died. She it bubbled up. Acid, that acid yeah. bit. It's like, kind of like, like a uh, alien. alien 3. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she just kind of screamed because she she was like swelling and then she just disappeared from the movie. Like, oh. I guess yeah. they they dragged her back to that big flesh pile and just tossed her on. I I almost thought at the very end when um when they're walking out and all the bodies are everywhere that people would just get up and be okay. Um, oh no, it's not that kind. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I've noticed nice. so outside of Guardians, you know, because that's Marvel. I've noticed that James Gunn always likes to have a little bit of a mean streak in his movies. Like in Super, there's an obvious moment with Elliot Page, which actually kind of ruined the movie for me. Um, yeah. Suicide. The new Suicide Squad had a moment near the end with a polka dot man, and in this movie, it's the two little girls. Like, I feel like every one of his movies has that little nasty little thing in there, other than, of course, when he's working for Disney. Well, he's going to have those moments when he sticks it to you. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So, it, I, I, for what it's worth, I don't feel that he's mean-spirited in the way that I, uh, that I think that, you know, say, hot take, Steven Spielberg is legitimately mean-spirited. Um, I think I, that's I, a fine take. <laughs> now, I, I, I think uh, it's uh, one of those bits where in the natural course of this particular sequence of events, you know, this is either the, you know, the thing that would reasonably happen at this point, or this is where I'm going to stick it to you a bit. It's, you, you knew I was a trauma filmmaker when you came in. You, know, you, you knew I was a scorpion. I was going to sting you at some point. <laughs> yeah. They... That, that, that's sort of my view on it. 
the the Elliot Page scene in uh, Super kind of ruined the movie for me too. I yeah. do understand that. Yeah, I actually uh, need to see that movie, so can we uh, maybe not? Oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> we were talking about that. I need to see that on on so. spoiler the show. <laughs> I know, right? But see, I'm here to ask nicely, and our listeners. Well, well you know, just... you read the title when you came in. Like, I'm not going to say what happens, but I saw that movie in the theater, and that sucked all the air out of the theater. And I feel like everybody turned on the movie at a certain point, including myself. Oh, that's a rough movie. I'm just uh, going to yeah. drink oh. to forget all of that. Yeah. There we go, right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a, a rough movie all over the place, but I know what scene you're talking about, and it, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I think it kind of works, but leaving it aside. I still uh, like the movie. I still think it's a good yeah. movie. Other I like than the that, movie. I like has the movie. A, has, a, has a weirdly uh, upbeat and, uh, and uplifting ending, but we'll leave that aside yeah. for the moment. Yeah. Uh, but... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, so getting back to Slither, there was one just little tiny moment that I just absolutely loved. So at, near the end of the movie, where Nathan Fillion is being attacked by a, I think it was a deer, some kind of zombified <laughs> parasite. But he actually says, ouch, ouch. While he's being, he's like, ouch, ouch, while he's being attacked by this thing. Which was just, this, this detail, maybe he improvised that, I don't know. But uh, I just love that, that in the middle of a fight like that, he says, ouch. Uh, this a baby deer. I mean, you know, how much damage could a baby deer do? The, the zombie deer looked like it was not, uh, like it was mostly shot in darkness. And what little I could see of it, it looked like it was not the most refined of the practical effects in this movie. <laughs> uh, so th this might have been one of the bits where, Kind of a suck prop, isn't it? Just go with it. No, no. Just go with it. <laughs> so in a movie like this, I would wonder if it's an intentional reference we're just not getting. We'll, um, get, we'll, we'll, back to, we'll get to sucky props later tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <in the <laughs> and in that case, feature not bug, most absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, this movie is... The thing that strikes me uh, rewatching this movie, even at this remove, even with my, you know, oft mentioned, you know, 15 years later, 2021 eyes, is the absolute even hand handed, uh, the absolute even handedness of this movie's distribution of its complete lack of fucks to give. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like that one zombie woman say, don't you judge me, you fucking Republican. We'll drive all you fucking Republicans out of this town. <laughs> <laughs> This I is love a, that. I yeah. Just... <laughs> the, 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 this movie is an equal opportunity. You are not okay. <laughs> and, and, well, and, yeah, and that's why I liked it, though. And, and I mean, it, it was it. There were, I don't know, the, just the between the humor and everything. I was fine with it, and I think I'm probably more aligned with Shane than either of you, you two, other two, uh, in that I don't always love horror, and this had rules that everybody's gonna die nobody's safe and that was okay but you know the the ones that got the messed up messed up the most were the ones that had been rude or maybe like cheated in their marriage just a little bit a little bit you know that kind of thing so and er and everybody else in the town yeah yeah so. but and it was funny <laughs> enough that it was light enough and i feel like i interrupted you so i'm sorry <laughs> oh no I, I the point was more or less made it, it's uh just uh it, a lot of people talk about something being an equal opportunity offender. This ha manages to pull off that delicate juggling act of simultaneously being, having lots of stuff that in theory should be offensive. Objectively probably is offensive, but still manages to be almost completely endearing. If you like this sort of thing. <laughs> Which I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like this a lot. 
surprisingly. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I didn't I didn't have a problem with the grossness or it, but but I, I you know it, it was also still a scary movie. I will acknowledge that and mm-hmm. it, and and funny. You do become a bit inured to it though. I mean, because it starts out gross and it just keeps getting grosser, yeah. and you just you're like, okay. When's the next time I get to laugh? And you you were <laughs> clutching the hell out of my I hand was. for most of the last half hour of the movie, and to I and, was. And, and I was clutching yours equally as well because it <laughs> has been a while since I've seen this, and I had forgotten that the last act of the movie is a really seriously good uh, job of you know careful suspense building. And, of course, uh, the other thing that I always, always even remember back to the theatrical release of this movie, I will never, ever put this movie out of my thoughts just for having introduced me to the wonderful song by the Yahoos, Baby, I Love You, Just Leave Me the Fuck Alone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think on that note, we're going to take our break. Um, We will be right back. Next up, we've got Velocipastor, a ridiculous, bad-on-purpose film about a were-raptor who is also a pastor. Uh, we pulled this from Shane's list as well, but as, as I may be wrong, but wasn't this on all of our piles? I've yeah. been meaning to watch it. As had I, uh, okay. actually. I was actually going to you know, preemptively apologize for wasting anybody's time. <laughs> I, well, I wasn't sure what, any, what people's reactions would be. You know, When I make my list, the first thing I do is check the streaming services, what's free. What haven't I seen? I make my list from that. My list has never been intended to be inflicted on other people. So when you guys <laughs> pick, glorious. No, we, we, we like we one. like okay. this we like this sort of thing. Okay, yeah. I, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't sure if you know. As soon as the uh, the, the VFX title card came up in the opening scene, that was a scream. Was like, we were laughing so hard. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as as goes the deliberately ridiculous low budget stuff in terms of raw entertainment and party movie value. I'd say this is right up there with Helen Keller versus Night Wolves. <laughs> I think it, it's a little better. I was reminded a bit of uh, Kung Pao. Uh, Enter the Fist. Yeah, Enter the Fist, <laughs> which is a movie I really like, and uh, I really liked this, too. <laughs> well, so obviously this is a film that's that's bad on purpose for fun and laughs. Um, rated X by an all-Christian jury. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, of course, amusingly, the X rating is not copyrighted, so they can actually do that. <laughs> well, that's great. Only other film that I can think of that did something very much like that was uh, Black Devil Doll, not Black Devil Doll from Hell, the uh, the dire- uh, the uh, the shot on video thing from back in the day, but the more recent one, which uh, I believe actually said rated X by an all white jury. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved a lot of the design of the uh, bad effects, the uh, transitions, um, China. That yes. big title card. <laughs> Within two seconds, a lady in a, in a bamboo hat shows up and ninjas show up. A little bit racist. That's where God will not follow is China. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that, was what he was, that was the direction he was given, and he, shows, he goes to China of all places. Right. To me, you know, that all is, I feel like the whole thing was calculated. They were like, what can we do? That Somebody... will be like the worst things that people have done in movies. Like, as they're making a movie, every mistake 
that has ever been made, including, you know, being slightly racist. They they just did it. Somebody at one, po- at one point says, what did that Chinese say? Not what did that Chinese person say or what did that Chinese woman say? What did that Chinese say? I wrote Jesus. that down in my notes. Yeah, not I did good. too. Yeah. <laughs> at the good. same time, credit for getting what I believe is an actual Mandarin speaker as the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the ultimate big bad of the movie. Uh, he was speaking Cantonese. It was but, Cantonese, huh? Yeah. Oh, Close yeah, enough. Okay. But... Makes sense. <laughs> I was wondering if he was saying something completely different from the subtitles. I would that, freely allow for that as a that, possibility. That I don't. I, I don't know Cantonese, but I couldn't. I recognize that he was speaking Cantonese. If it, if it was Mandarin, I would have been able to understand. So he could have been saying anything in Cantonese. Who knows? Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's that kind of movie. I feel like they would they would pull something like that. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a bad on purpose film. It, there, there are a few points where I think it might have been a little bit much for me. The, uh, the evil pimp. Um, oh <laughs> come on! <laughs> but, but, but Frankie, the, the explanation mermaid. for his name. Frankie Mermaid. Yeah, the, Frankie Mermaid. Frankie Mermaid is swimming in bitches. <laughs> <laughs> it was there was some line. It, it was uh, God. It was something about sucking dicks that uh, <laughs> that he screamed out. It was like the one moment in the movie where I was like, I can't show this to Amelia. No. And I want to so badly. <laughs> if you suck dick like you sow down on that sandwich, I'd be a fucking millionaire. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Oh. Yeah. I, I think I think Amelia would love this movie. You could just mute that part. <laughs> yeah. Well, she did actually see uh, a bit of the end when uh when he's in the Velociraptor costume. Which is magnificent. Just a wonderful yeah. oh, costume. I, I think it's actually a miniature T-Rex costume, but yeah. who cares? Well, yeah, it's I, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's an Allosaurus, because it's got the three fingers. But um, <laughs> Dinosaur nerd. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Dinosaurs I, I, are great. I, I like the strange tendency that the movie uh, started to lean into, particularly in its like last uh, half an hour or so where they started engaging in needless characterization for incidental characters usually right before they got, you know, the business. Uh, <laughs> oh, that one guy, the, the um, what's his the face? Brother. The brother. Yeah, the Asian music and the flash, the flashes of his girl yeah. right before he dies. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was different. Was I was talking about Choi, the... Choi Min was the, was the character's <laughs> name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And then the brother that they, you know, that hadn't been, well, he'd been in the movie, but barely. And then they do all the flashbacks where he had been actually in the movie the whole time. Yeah, with his dad, which is the exact replica of the scene from uh, Spider-Man 2 where he's talking to Uncle Ben. Yes. And then yes. The, the yes, brothers I spotted look, that. Then the brother's lurking in the backseat the whole time. It's hilarious. <laughs> and ultimately, you're, you're my yeah, only son. <laughs> and, and, and ultimately, the great conflict between brothers amounts to not really anything, and he doesn't even end up getting handled by uh, by uh, the Velocipaster in, in in Velociraptor form. Uh, he gets a little bit of short shrift, I, I think. But the That's the movie the, sta- the movie stays light on its feet for the most part. Uh, anytime that it starts to flirt with padding, it moves on to something else. And in the meantime, gets uh, gets in and gets out in a, uh, a steady. I actually clocked, I think, seventy one minutes, not seventy five, as its a listed running time is. That's so, a quick one. Yeah, it's, there, a, it's a quick one. Uh, there's a there's a weird laughing scene where it's where, where it's the the, <laughs> the bad guy and the and the brother. And, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> what it reminded me of <laughs> was 
what it reminded me of was uh, uh, the scenes from uh, One Cut of the Dead that were just weirdly padded out. But we find out later there's a reason in, th- in that movie why they were padded out. Here, I guess the filmmakers thought it was funny or they were padding it. But there wasn't like a behind-the-scenes filmmaking reason for the odd scenes. They're just... I- I, I thought I, that it was th- that that was the joke is that they were you know trying to show you know that they'd gone on too long you know because it, it's supposed to be every bad step a, a filmmaker could make all in one movie. <laughs> Isn't I, that? I I think am it I is. Did I get it wrong? No, I I think that's right. I think that it is an example of uh of oh shit I just completely lost my thought. Move on. <laughs> it just vanished. My brain just just shat out whatever I was going to say. Well, we were talking about that. I thought that maybe the point of all of that bad timing and. Uh, oh, and yes, that's much- right. That's right. I, Red Letter Media put me onto this. The the idea of the uh, of of the timing of, of a joke that's drawn out far too long, becoming eventually funny again. Uh, and a, one of the classic examples, I think, is. Uh, Will Ferrell with the Trident in uh, on SNL, where uh, it was a Pierce Brosnan sketch, and he's he's killing his coworkers, uh, and and whatnot as the worst boss ever, uh, and he kills one guy with a Trident, and uh, he just starts stabbing him, and he stabs him for so long that the audience becomes uncomfortable, and they kind of <laughs> stop laughing, but then he just keeps doing it. And then suddenly the audience is like starting to laugh again, but it's more of like a maniacal laugh. And I think that's the kind of humor they were going for. There's got to be a term like specific for that kind of thing, but I absolutely get what you're talking about here. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry it took so long for that thought to finally come out. But it was worth it. No, that that absolutely works. Uh, (laughs) I I am curious to see the original Grindhouse uh, pseudo Grindhouse trailer that uh, the uh, that this movie was expanded from. Uh, which uh, apparently was a class project uh, that uh, the director did uh, when he was at the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. Uh, apparently, the title of the movie is actually based on a phone autocorrect. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> he, was try- he was trying to write Velociraptor, but his phone autocorrected to Velocipaster. This may be apocryphal, but yeah, no, that's uh, that that that's absolutely something worth following through. That's that's I the universe. Te- that's the so, universe telling you to do something. So was this like a like a machete hobo with a shotgun thing, where the, exactly, the trailer exactly. came first as a lark, and then they're like, let's make the yeah. real movie. Yeah, according to uh, according to uh, to Wikipedia, uh, his pri- uh, the director uh, uh, Brendan Steer Brendan Steers uh, prior uh, YouTube postings had had around forty five uh, po- uh, views each. And uh, his class project ended up getting about forty-five thousand, so he thought he might be onto something there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did notice, like you know, despite the cheapness of this movie, it was like technically shot well. So like he clearly knew what he was doing from a filmmaking perspective. He understands composition. The uh, the cast is actually quite game as well. I was particularly impressed just in general. The only one that I said gave a really really good performance. Uh, was Alyssa Kapinski as Carol the Hooker? Uh, 
Precious. I know that 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 doctor that was picking butts out of Okay, the, yeah, that that, <laughs> that he was fantastic. That that guy absolutely stole the scene that uh, that, that he was in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do, doing the desperation cigarette right at the end there. That 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 guy had something going on. I want a movie following his story. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to jump back to that guy. Uh that fall is followed by one of my uh, well as I said, they do every bad filmmaking thing as one big giant film and one of my peeves is when somebody gets hurt and then they're almost immediately better like i mean i don't know if i cut my thumb it takes several weeks for it to get better i mean you know like if i have stitches it's gonna be you know a while but no everybody gets cut just you know like deeply and they're still they're fine in a couple of days so they did that where Carol was in the hospital, and he's like, she's going to make it. In fact, she's all better. Go get her. <laughs> <laughs> she, and then the on-screen title, she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she gave a, a, a really good, really kind of well-felt, uh, well-thought-out performance. The lead actor had a definite air of porn is his day job to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree. I I like that he was named uh, you know Doug Jones. That's that's kind of uh, a nod of genuine affection uh, there. I think in its own right. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the director was a big fan of Guillermo del Toro. Not that you can particularly tell from this movie per se. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let me let me ask you guys something because uh, the sex scene is I think divergent from the rest of the film. Uh, the the way they do the split screen and and the actual scene itself is almost done seriously uh, as opposed to the rest of the film. It's not really a funny sequence. It's almost like a music video. Well, um, I mean, the, the close up of his hairy belly, I think, was eh. a little <laughs> silly. I mean, that, I mean that stood out to me. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It was it, it was done sort of earnestly. I think. I I wonder if that's more of the director's like real style with his actual filmmaking as opposed to mimicking uh, a style in order to uh, make a genre picture. I guess it's possible. I still thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> and a giant style change. So again, that's sort of a, um, a pointer of, you know, like it's a major style change right there. It to me would be a, 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 mis- a filming mistake. Like, but... like consider if you will, uh, the sex scene from the Terminator. Consider, if you will, the rest of the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes a good sense too. But but he may have used that as an opportunity to actually kind of show off a little bit too. Like I know what I'm doing. But yeah, I, I mean he he could have he could have gone like full Tommy Wiseau style during that sex scene, and it would have fit. But instead, he wanted he decided to do something else. Like it's the cl- it's the closest to dignified the movie actually gets. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an interesting choice. But again, like the rest of the movie, doesn't overstay its welcome, which is one of those things one particularly appreciates. I, <laughs> uh, I, well, no, I mean, uh, if this movie were any longer, it probably would have tipped over itself. Uh, that that was sort of the thought that I was having. Uh, yeah, uh, it, 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 it was it was a good length, seventy one minutes. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. And of course, it, it's a wild eye picture, which. Uh, Frequenting as I do the Dollar Trees for discontinued, uh, you know, uh, DVDs, I get a lot of wild eye stuff lately, 
And that's always an interesting crapshoot in its own right, uh, because every so often you get a gem like this. Granted, I haven't actually gotten this, unfortunately, at the dollar discs yet. But yes. it's it's day is a coming. Uh, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, you know, half the time it's something delightful like Sheborg, which I t uh, spoke about a few weeks back in the episode when we were talking about Psycho Goreman, uh, to the point where you know they're Australian Astron Six fan films. Uh, but, uh, the rest of the time, it's very often stuff like, uh, like Demon Hunter, which, you know, has a, a picture of the backside of a sexy woman with, uh, with katanas in leather, and it turns out to be a, you know, a portly, over-pierced, uh, you know, Manchester chav, uh, in the, in the actual movie itself. I think I gonged that one after about 15 minutes. <laughs> e either I get a good movie, or I get a case that I can put a good movie in. <laughs> um, that's that's wild eye releasing in, in, in a nutshell. Um, I will admit to getting a little fatigued near the end of the, the film of, of the concept. Um, so, yeah, I have to agree that the, the 71 minute uh, length is, I think, necessary in this kind of film. Because it's so hard to pull off a film that is uh, so bad, it's, it's good, but do it on purpose. Uh, it's so much harder to to make that kind of feeling happen when you're uh, when you're not doing it uh, earnestly, like uh, Tommy Wiseau. Exactly. It 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 felt like it was starting to get a little long, but then we got, finally get the full daylight uh, reveal of the Velocipaster in Velociraptor in his full Velociraptor glory, and it's just. Uh, my goodness, I haven't seen a film creature like that since uh, uh, since uh, you know the giant claw. Um, if you remember honestly, that, <laughs> honestly, the inflatable uh, dinosaur costumes that you can get, like th that, are so popular at Dragon Con, are better than this. So, which Jess, may almost be the point. Yeah. Um, Je Jess actually said that. She said, "If he's not in one of those inflatable dinosaur costumes by the end of the movie, then I'm going to be mad." Yeah, he I, I and I think he kind of was. But I completely agree with her That's the truth. <laughs> in this case I, I mentioned a little bit about slightly ramshackle vfx uh, in the last half of the show i mean obviously this is uh, one of those instances that takes its ramshackleness and as i say turns it from a bug into a feature uh you know, it, you know leans into the ridiculousness it's, it's just right it's nothing terri terribly monumental but i can see this would absolutely be a great party movie oh yeah yeah definitely uh -huh. Have you have? <laughs> I'm actually reminded of an, another party movie, uh, Dude Bro Party Massacre Three. <laughs> I believe that was yeah, the number I, on that I one. I think I watched that at your house, Nate. I still yeah. need to see that one. That's on my list. The one with Patton Oswalt in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's we, the Patton Oswalt was in it. that. <laughs> then we need to see this. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's on our list. Okay. <laughs> I never, I never knew Pat. I've, I've heard about this movie for years. I never knew Patton Oswalt was in it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really Soul phenomenal. <laughs> All right, well, an upcoming episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll I'll do Dude Bro Party Massacre. That's uh, I love Great. that movie. <laughs> I don't remember if you liked it, Shane. Uh, I think I wasn't in the mood for it, but it was it was amusing enough. Yeah, I mean, I would watch it again if we're especially if we're doing it for the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yay. Shout, out, shout, shout outs also, uh, once again, I know I mentioned it earlier, but you know, it actually does kind of live up to the title. Helen Keller versus Night Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> the movie you did not expect Lynn Shay and Barry Bostwick would co-star in together. <laughs> Barry Bostwick. Oh, goodness. 
<laughs> I honestly think I like Velocipaster a little better than that, though. I think Helen Keller versus Nightwolves had a better plot. For really? What, I just thought it was for a, little what that's more, worth. a little too complicated. I don't know. I don't with know. with, with uh, Father Stewart's uh, war oh, pass. The uh, Vietnam flashback. I did, I did yeah. want to shout out to the Vietnam flashback. The, <laughs> the absolutely classical setup of everything that goes on there. <laughs> Up to the point of his, uh, his fiancée inexplicably appearing in <laughs> Vietnam just in time to trip over a trip mine. <laughs> <laughs> and what a I great saw, effect. I, I saw it coming. I saw it coming a mile away. I was like, yes, give it to me. And they gave it to me, and it was good. (laughs) (laughs) And and when they killed Father Stewart, I was like, no, I was actually sad. And then they brought him back, and they killed him right away again. After 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 doing nothing with him. No less. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh. Oh, I liked when he had the eye patch over his glasses. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was was weirdly charming. But I wouldn't be able to see. <laughs> yeah, that was good. There were all those little touches like that. It's like, okay then. Yeah, speaking of little touches, my actual favorite thing in the entire movie. I don't know what it's called when like a martial artist does like a flourish when they're like, whoosh, 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 they do that thing. The brother does that, but also mixes in crossing himself because they're um, <laughs> doing this for Christianity, which I I just love that little detail. Yeah, I've never seen that before. And so apparently, the master plan is they're trying to get people hooked on drugs. So they'll get hooked on Christianity to recover. That was the plan. That, that was the plan. Like, you know, like the the twelve step thing. And so yeah. they're afraid, but the the one thing they fear is the dragon warrior or something. I'm, uh, is that the plot? I'm I'm trying to remember <laughs> what the actual plot is. I yeah, think that's... he was trying to stop them from selling cocaine, which I'm not really sure why they would be doing cocaine because that's an America's thing, not an Asian thing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean. It, it, Cocaine, know. heroin, heroin, who cares? It's opium, a it, it's whatever, a it's yeah. a drug. Drug pe- drugs people need to recover from. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs also again to Alyssa Kapinski for having some legitimate moves uh in in, in her fight scene. Oh yeah. Oh, she yeah. was always in the background and I was always watching her do And do she was some, always like, fun ki- stuff. Ki- kicking ass pretty legit. Yeah. Well, she would w- always land in a hero pose. Well, there was one shot where when uh, Velocipaster kills his brother, and there's a close-up of blood spraying all over his face, and you see her in the background doing the fighting game stance where they're just standing there weaving back and forth. <laughs> or they're sort of like bobbing, just standing still. She did that for like 10 seconds in the background while he's in the foreground getting sprayed with blood. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I mean, she was she was staying in character. Okay, if Alyssa Kamp- Kampinski keeps with the acting thing and can get herself a decent a decent agent, I think the woman has a legitimate future at this point. But that yeah. said, uh, you know, if, as long as she uh, you know makes more quality low budget fare like this, you know, uh, I'll be uh, she's going to be one of those uh, actors that I'm going to be happy to see. I think whenever she shows up, I, I think agree. we I I think we all have those lists of you know the the random people that you know. Lots of people have, or the, almost nobody else has heard of, is like, oh, that guy. I've liked him in all in all of the dozen movies that I've seen him in bit roles in. <laughs> you know, like Conrad Pla. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I almost uh, said who? <laughs> like, like, like now, nowadays, Michael Rooker almost falls into that category. Like he had like you know much bigger roles. I thought earlier in his career. Nowadays, he kind of just shows up as like that guy. Rooker is a cult really? figure at this point. Rooker has oh. has leaned into a very particular time of, type of stardom in his own right. What was that movie we just saw with the big with the giant bugs and frogs stuff? Monsters. 
Oh, uh, 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 Love, Love, and, Monsters. Love and Monsters. Yeah, he's he, fantastic. He's he a great bit. He wasn't a star, but oh, he's he had a nice juicy role. It was, it was. He, good. he, he has wasn't turned. Wasn't he in F nine too? I think he oh, was. was in, he? I think he was yes. in New Fast and Furious. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he was. Yes. As the guy who raised John Cena. Oh. I mean, I mean, I mean. Apparently, everybody who knows the guy loves him. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know at this point we're kind of leaning back into James Gunn from the first half, but uh, one of the great Dragon Con experiences that I yes. ever had. Uh, Jane, Jane was with me. Was they got James Gunn and Sean Gunn to show up at Dragon Con? At that point, just after the release of Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy had been number one for two weeks. It had dropped down uh, the uh, the box office list for something like two weeks, but he was at Dragon Con the week that it returned to the number one position at the box office, which was kind of a glorious sort of victory walk there. But the thing was, Michael Rooker was at another convention in Canada at the, t- at, at the time, and so James Gunn got Rooker on the phone and got the entire audience of one of the large ballrooms in the Marriott at Dragon Con to say you suck, Rooker. Yep, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was a glory. It was a glorious moment. Fuck you, Rooker. But I can't. Remember. Might have been fuck you, Rooker. I thought he was. I was pretty sure it was like, yeah, fuck you, Rooker. It was good though. It was. It was one of those moments. <laughs> no, but my my point is, Rooker is a bit less of a that guy than I think. Uh, than at this point, he's a a, a sterling supporting actor, particularly in genre or genre adjacent material. I'm talking about like the really obscure people. Uh, um, trying to think of another good example, but I don't know. They're all obscure. <laughs> <laughs> I've I know. I, no, go ahead, please. Uh, I was, I was going to say, do you, do you guys have any people that you can think of off the top of your head who work like that? Uh, just, uh, I mean, uh, no. My, uh, mine are all, I mean, mine are all like, like Dick Miller and stuff like that. Um, Be- beloved figures. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, like Elisha Cook Jr. or uh, um, okay, now even I'm drawing a blank. Damn it. <laughs> well, actually, I, 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 there was a time my stepson went to high school with this kid. And they were good friends, and they still Ooh, are. Yes, uh, yes. Ian Reed Kessler, and there was a time where I could not watch a television show without him showing up. I mean, he was in Weeds. He was on N. Uh, NCIS and he played uh, a thug. York. I was about to say he played a thug, a, a, diff- a different thug on almost every single season of almost Castle. every single Law and Order he was show. Almost always the bad guy too. He's got his own Disney Channel show now. Something of, I don't remember. You'd, you'd, rec- you'd recognize him if you saw him. Yeah. But oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like Ian. 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 Uh-huh. I mean, I, I, he was on Don't Trust the Be in Apartment Twenty Three. It didn't matter what I watched. He was on it. <laughs> I think I have. Well, I've got one. What about, what about James Urbaniak? I mean, he's he's a nice. voice guy now, but Good. he played. You know, he played R. Crumb in um, American Splendor. He's played a lot. Of, he's a lot of the, those sort of that guy roles. But I think he's now known for Venture Brothers. Isn't he like Doctor yeah. Venture or something? Yeah, he's Doctor yeah. Venture. Yeah. Great show. But it's just those names when they turn up in the credits or those people when we see them, even if we didn't remember their name, it's like, oh, I remember that person. I like that person in everything that I've ever seen. I did that <laughs> with uh, Louis De Silva for a while. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. I, no, I, saw the, uh, I saw the video that you did for him, but I don't think I ever actually met the dude or recall any of his work directly. He was in that Jodie Foster uh, revenge movie where... Yes, uh, the, uh, uh, um, the, not the accused, the, uh, the, the, I brave, was saying, the brave I was, one. 
the brave one. Yeah, the brave one. one. That's I was it. actually I was actually about to say, make the same mistake, Shane. He he <laughs> plays the bad guy, and uh, and then he just shows up in random stuff like uh, um, he was on some show on USA and and stuff like that. And just every time I'd see him, he was on Law and Order, uh, and he'd always play the the tattooed guy, uh, like at a prison yard or something like that. Uh, but he's the sweetest guy on the planet, so it's funny that he'd be typecast like that. But uh, yeah, I always look out for him and and see uh, see if he's in the background there somewhere. I think that that would be mine. I mean, there, there's an evolution to it all. There's uh, like you know that you know incidental character or person who got a meaty role in something that nobody's seen that graduates to a that guy or that woman uh, that uh, then graduates to noted character actor. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be Dick Miller. That would be Dick, Nick Miller, and eventually stumbles into either, either beloved genre figure or every once in a while, you know, you know, uh, leading man or leading lady, uh, a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at Depp. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> That's right. No shit. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. What about Kevin Bacon? Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Yep. yep. Knife through the neck. Yep. Yep. And the, and then Animal House. <laughs> oh yeah, he was in Animal House. Right. All is well. <laughs> <laughs> so we've diverged a little far from Velocipaster. The point but is, it was a short uh, movie. Yeah, there was a, but, I, I didn't. I yeah. was pretty much out of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That, oh, we've gone through all my notes. Yeah, no, it's it, it it it's if you're going into it, there are two ways that something like this can go. You can go the asylum way, where they take a ridiculous premise. And they treat it a lot more seriously than it could ever possibly deserve. Sharknado. Which is a problem with... It, it, the problem with, uh, with, with the, the Asylum movies is they're either way too serious or way too jokey without actually being particularly funny. Most of the time. Or there's more independent stuff like this that gets that it's working, that it's, uh, working off of, of an, uh, an absurd premise and leans into the absurdity and handles it with genuine ingenuity and wit and humor which are not the same thing <laughs> and just gives you a good time for $35,000 or $1 in the dollar discs at uh, at uh, the dollar tree <laughs> <laughs> what a great budget <laughs> well uh, i guess uh, does anybody have any final thoughts on velocipaster i know Honestly, i know see it yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's only seventy-one it, minutes. You'll, exactly. you'll have a good time when you can get people back to your house. Get people to your house. Get them drunk. Watch this with them. Yeah, God, agreed. Parties. As do we. <laughs> as do we all love. Yeah, I'll have a Velocipaster party. Yeah, but, we'll be there. Awesome. Right, right on. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll about do it for us here on what at What's on the Pile. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile, or you can visit our website, whatsonthepile.com. Thanks for hanging out. Turns out they're more closely related to uh, cacti than uh, earth primates, but... <laughs> Deep in the forgotten corners of our galaxy, 
A mighty space hulk blazes through the stars. Its crew, a motley gang of misfits who are just out for a good time. He's sparking for fuck's sake. Yeah, okay. They have harnessed the mysterious fuel called nostalgia. And we're off, alright. By remembering the cartoons of their youth. Now, standing in their way, the evil Emperor Zorbak. Stand down Who just wants to shut their screw down and conquer every planet along the way. Thankfully, their ship holds a weapon with enough firepower to restore the balance. Yes, you neglected the anime space cannon. They are the bastards of the universe. I think you know damn well who we are. Thursdays at 8. Let's cast this pod. Uh, Only on Twitch.